Hey, my name is Zach, and this is the Plaid Jacket Philosopher, the podcast for tradespeople and the blue-collar middle class. I'm open to punch a few holes in the stereotypes that surround blue-collar workers and hopefully share a lot of the stories behind how we got into our line of work and the honest joy you can get from working outside of the office space. The plan is to mix in interviews as well as some solo stories from job sites, fatherhood, and personal experiences that led me to where I am today. Some will be funny, some will be personal, but hopefully any and all content here can help broaden what your opinion is of the blue-collar middle class. Hey, 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 welcome to another week. Uh, you know, there's a ton to talk about this week, or there's a ton that I could talk about, I should say, uh, but I'm not going to stay on here for an hour babbling by myself, or at least I don't plan to. Uh, so what have we got going on? Uh, you've got the Sri Lankan government overthrow. You've got the Dutch farmers protest. You've got the, you know, communications giant in Canada, Rogers, essentially a monopoly on ATMs, on a lot of um, broadcasting, telecommunications, networking across Canada. It went down for 24 hours the other day and just caused havoc, apparently. Luckily, I'm away at work right now, so it's not like I'm out spending money doing anything that is of any excitement at all. (laughs) So it didn't affect me up here, and I'm not with that carrier anyway. So uh, anyway, but all of that stuff could be talked about and might be a little bit more interesting, but uh, this week I'm going to get talking back about bodily autonomy, uh, you know, thoughts on it regarding, you know, the recent Roe versus Wade ruling in the States, and don't worry, I'm not trying to, you know, get crazy on this, and it's not something that I'm even very comfortable talking about, to be quite frank, but I felt that, you know, I've spent enough time railing about bodily autonomy in the past 18 months that it would kind of be hypocritical to not even talk about this at all because while yes I'm Canadian and in Canada despite what our magnificently stupid Prime Minister Trudy you know he likes to stand up and grandstand about something that doesn't affect us at all so all of that I'm keeping very front of mind that what what goes on in the states does not affect Canada it does not affect me But again, it's just the idea of it, right? And that's what this episode is going to be all about. Now, please hear me out. Uh, I have a feeling that, you know, (laughs) the opening of it uh, might piss off some of my listeners. But hey, um, I don't know. This is my podcast, so you don't have to keep listening. That's fine. So first off, what is bodily autonomy? Right? That's the right to make decisions regarding your most sacred property. Uh, and that is your body. You know, property rights, that's the very fundamental basis of it is you own your body. Now, again, uh, this is going to be interesting. Uh, So this idea obviously applies to decisions that you can make, and also the repercussions that come from, you know, those decisions you make with your body. Now, for this discussion, I'm going to focus on victims of, you know, sexual assault, uh, domestic abuse, or I guess domestic assault, um, rape, incest, uh, you know, underage victims, like, and the reason for that is, well, I'll get into the reasoning more in depth as it goes on, but it's because what we're talking about is a law, all right? We're not talking about what your personal opinion is, because I have, I have frankly a different personal opinion on abortion, on the morality of it, than what I think should be written into law. Because again, and this relates back to 
the issue of bodily autonomy when it came to vaccine mandates. And I'm going to make a lot of parallels here, so bear with me. But I, ultimately, freedom, and so bodily autonomy being freedom, um, the idea of freedom is the ability for somebody else to do something that you don't agree with, right? That is the fundamental idea of freedom. It's the ability for people to do things that you wouldn't do. You know, otherwise, what? what's the point of it, right? What? Why would we even talk about it? And the thing that's frustrating is that this topic, obviously, if we were to look at it from the vaccine mandate side, or now, you know, my body, my choice, which is funnily coming back right into the limelight. Now that it's part of the agenda, again, that's an acceptable term to use, whereas, again, the last 18 months, it wasn't at all. Anyway, the hypocrisy in all of this is astounding. And it, to me, it's just laughable from both sides, mind you. But again, I'm focusing on the law aspect. And the reason why I'd focus on victims in this case is because this law is going to affect both people the exact same way, right? And you can have, you can have a different opinion, uh, as many people did when it came to vaccine mandates. And I, I don't know how many times I said it hundreds of times, at least not, uh, not just on the podcast, but in everyday life as well, that you know, people didn't have to, you know, I, I had no problem with people holding the opinion that, you know, I should get vaccinated. It's where I had the problem is people who said I must. And that is a massive, massive difference. One that cannot be understated because, again, that is the key difference, right? You can hold an opinion that I should do something, but by saying that I must or I mustn't do something, that's an entirely different discussion altogether. So that's what we're focusing on here is the law of it, the victims of it, and the fact that these laws will uh, will affect people who are victims and people who aren't the exact same way. And again, look, this is this is more the idea of abortion as opposed to how the overturning of Roe v. Wade will actually affect every single person because I understand state laws are different, but I also understand all the trigger laws that are in place so and that are already being enacted upon. So this is more just a discussion on the idea. It's not actually, you know, pointed at, at the reality of it. Like, you know, if you're living in a state that it's fully legal, whatever the case may be, then obviously, you know, the Roe v. Wade overturning doesn't actually affect you personally. But it's, it's just a discussion on the idea in general. Now, again, because I have seen this flooded in my social media feeds and i've been taking a break from instagram i'm not very good at it anyway i'll get i'll download that app again once this episode comes out because i'm gonna have to put out some social media thing it's god i don't know why it's it's harder for me to spend 20 minutes putting together a write-up and a post than it is to spend an hour recording and editing this thing it's just i, I hate social media anyway that's a digression but okay so and again, because I've been seeing a lot of different opinions on social media, I know a lot of the people who have very strong opinions are going to have a differing opinion on this podcast, a lot of people who are listening. Anyway, so I'm going to get this out of the way. Before I get hit with the um, the kind of, you know, you're denying the fact that there are lives, these are lives that you were talking about ending. I want to say, well, first, please hear me out, okay? Hear this argument out and... I imagine that most of you have not ever had to hold your 18-week-old miscarried son in the palm of your hands after your wife was hospitalized to give birth to your stillborn child, okay? And if you haven't, I hope you never do, but I have, okay? We had a miscarriage at 18 weeks, and 
you know, again, like my wife had to deliver him, right? And I, we held him. We spent, you know, a good 12, 18 hours with him before we couldn't anymore. Um, but if you're trying to attack me saying that I don't have a respect for life or I'm, I'm not understanding what is at stake here, again, you're going to hear my personal opinion layered over top of of an overall view of this and where we could go and hopefully changes that we could make that would be realistic changes, not, not superficial or, you know, utopian thought processes that everybody throws out there. But trust me, I've held my 18 week old stillborn son in my hand and I have a very deep respect for life. Okay. But this, there are ideas about this that are bigger than that. And so anyway, I just, I wanted to get that out of the way. Like, don't for one second try to tell me that I don't respect life or I don't understand. I understand very, very explicitly. And I have personal experience with that, that I don't wish upon anybody else. And I hope that I, well, I, I won't ever go through again. But there's there's a bigger discussion to have, to be had here. Uh, considering what has been going on over the last 18 months and just for society in general. Okay, so anyway, hear me out. Um, So again, like I had said, the focus of this episode is going to be on the law aspect of it. You may hold a different opinion, but the bottom line of bodily freedom is that others are free to make decisions that you would not make for your own body. So again, that's kind of the underlying thing of this, that we're looking at the law aspect of it, not what your personal opinion is of it. So personally, I abhor the view that an abortion is just a type of contraceptive. Like I'll say that right off the bat. I abhor the idea of late-term abortion. Um, Personally, I've never been responsible for an abortion and likely, well, yeah, almost for sure I never will be considering I made the choice to get a vasectomy after we have four boys already. It's enough. Um, But as far as the vasectomy goes, uh, there'll be more on that later. Um, The point is that most people who want women to have this extremely difficult choice available to them, not that they have to make this choice, but just that it is available to them. You know, they aren't these pussy hat wearing retards like the lunatics that are featured front and center on every conservative leaning media site in in any write up about it. You know, all you see are these people from protests wearing, you know, the pink pussy hats and they're just like, like salivating. Like it seems like they're just all they want are abortions, you know, and that it's the first line of contraceptive, right? That That's the way that it's painted, right? It's the same way that... You know, on the flip side of that, not everybody who would be in the pro-life camp is some chauvinist, right-wing extremist, right? Who just want to control women and you're you're thinking about uh, like the Handmaid's Tale future, right? Like that's, that's not the two camps. Like everything is a shade of gray. You know, they just show you the black or the white and there's, there is no rational discussion when you're talking about it and when you're looking at what news media will put out, especially because most of it is heavily leaning to one side or the other. So one part in this entire public spectacle that is painfully hilarious, I kind of mentioned it earlier, is that now all of a sudden, suddenly bodily autonomy is back on the agenda. And again, 
there's a massive difference between being told what you should do with your body and what you must or mustn't do with your body. That's, That's the baseline of this whole discussion. The key, I think, to anything is... You know, you can have a, a discussion, you can support people, you can point people in the direction of resources or of research or whatever the case may be. But the, the key point here is discussing your ideas. In my personal sphere of influence, you know, I would do whatever I could to help support a friend or family member in carrying out a pregnancy. That's just, that's my view on it. Again, like I do have a high respect for life. And in my sphere of influence, I would try to help somebody carry that baby to term. That's that's just my personal view, right? But I would never shun or hate them if they ultimately made a decision that would have been different than mine. You know, if they decide that, you know, say they're a victim of something or a, a victim of a sexual assault or a rape or whatever the case may be, maybe it's it could be life complicating or whatever, whatever the, the circumstance is, if they decide to not do what I kind of would recommend or in my mind hope, that that's no basis for me to shun them, hate them, turn away from them, just completely disregard them as a human being. And that's what a lot of this discussion seems to have been. Like it's it, all of a sudden, you know, because this has become a talking point, and I know obviously I'm adding to that by now talking about it, but it's, it, there's no nuance. And it's just is just browbeating somebody over the head to one viewpoint or the other. It's not, anyway, it's, it's infuriating to just read these, these posts that are so obviously one-sided that uh, there is no actual rational discussion. Like there, there isn't. You have one opinion and you're going to beat somebody over the head with it until they submit or they just walk away. And that's what happens every time. So anyway, I've kind of laid that out. I've laid out my personal opinion, but I've also said that, you know, when it comes to bodily autonomy, it isn't my choice what somebody else does with their body. There are a number of reasons why people who have been victimized will then have to be treated the exact same way as somebody who's, you know, again, using it as a contraceptive. But to me, that group of lunatics is incredibly small. All right. The key here is the law that you still have to have that idea of bodily autonomy, even if you're going to have those whack jobs who are doing it this way, you know what? They're going to have their own demons to deal with when it comes to that later on. I'm sure of it if they have a conscience, but you have to have that available. The idea of the law being black and white or being allowed, you know, maybe the law isn't exactly how you would like it, but because it will protect somebody, that's the point of it being there. And, you know, there are, uh, yeah, there are real bad instances, again, like I've talked about sexual assault, rape, underage pregnancies, um, all the above that, you know, are horrible or life-threatening situations. Like, I, I don't know. It's hard for me to make this argument personally because, again, in my own life, I don't ever want to be responsible for an abortion. I... I have a really hard time with even talking about this because my personal opinion of it is different than the way that I think the law should be set up. Because again, the idea of freedom is allowing somebody else to do something that you wouldn't do. And that's that's a more important principle to me. I know that sounds 
that might sound crazy, but to me, it is. And if if an abortion is going to save somebody's life or there are instances where I think that it's it's warranted or it should at least be an available option. And that's that's where even I struggle with this, right? Because I, again, it's, um, I didn't want to talk about this, <laughs> to be honest. Like, it's not, uh, it's not that I'm doing a podcast that I don't feel passionately on. I definitely do, but it's, it's just, it's hard to talk about because again, like I, I look at my kids, I, I think back to our miscarried son. Like I, I think back to all these things and I personally, I would never want to be responsible for an abortion. That's just my own personal opinion. But again, it's, you look around, you read articles on the internet, you, you do a little bit of research and you realize that, you know, sometimes it is a, a life-saving operation for the woman, for the mother, right? And um, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. And to me, if you're if you're saving somebody's life or, you know, getting somebody out of being a real victim in life to something horrific, then I, I don't know. I just think it should be open. And anyway, I'm going to try to pivot this discussion, switch gears a little bit, and rather than, because again, I don't personally like the idea of an abortion. I don't want to be responsible for one. But I was trying to think of a more, you know, looking at this discussion more broadly and trying to think forward to what would be a realistic possible solution to this. Because you look around and, you know, some people are cheering on abortion like it's, I don't know, like it's their big Friday night event like it's disgusting and then you also have people who have unrealistic standards of saying that you know everybody there's support for everybody you know every single baby is going to get adopted all of this stuff I mean you hear horror stories through foster parenting through adoption like and I understand that adoption is strict it is difficult I have family members who have adopted children um, our family used to be a foster family for a while like, I, I have a little bit of personal experience with this. I know how difficult it is, but at the same time, when you're dealing with minors, uh, it needs to be a difficult process. So it's it's not easy to go through. It's expensive. It's time-consuming. It's extremely taxing on the person who's wanting to adopt a child. And for good reason, right? Like, they can't just release these kids to anybody who wants to adopt them. Like, <laughs> um, there's obviously going to be people in there, if, if they just open it up to anybody, uh, you're going to have some sick pedophiles who jump on that as well. So it, there's a vetting process. There's a real, there's a strict methodology to it all. And again, so the, the idea that just all these kids can be put up for adoption and there's, you know, all these families that are wanting them right away, it's, it's sadly not the reality of it. You know, you look around, you see orphanages, there's foster homes, there aren't enough foster homes. There's like, it's not a realistic solution to just say that to me. And so anyway, so you've got two unrealistic solutions and then you got to think outside of the box a little bit. And that's what I tried to do. And, you know, it's my podcast, so bite me. So one of the questions that obviously comes up is <laughs> human nature. What can we do about teenagers' hormones, experimentations, and, you know, the uphill battle we all have through puberty? Uh, not much. You know, people are going to act on urges, 
to fight this is a waste of energy and quite frankly futile again we're talking broadly so obviously you can keep open lines of communication with your kids actually take time to educate them on these issues when it comes to kids family friends nieces nephews whatever like if you're if you have that relationship like you can try to help them out answer questions whatever the case may be but but broadly speaking you're not going to rein in every single teenager's hormones so you're going to have sex that happens like it's just it's stupid to try to say that you're you're going to eliminate that that's unrealistic so this again kind of brings me to my next point when it comes to parenting um what crisis and plague are we seeing across the world but it rears its head most horrifically and loudly in the u.s that's quite frankly like fatherless boys right and we've seen i don't know if it's an uptick but it probably is an uptick in public mass killings in school shootings and again the common theme is that typically there's zero or minimal father figure in these predominantly male perpetrators lives right and that's something like i'm not i'm not trying to equate that if you have an abortion you're saving somebody by aborting a future school killer that i'm not saying that at all what i'm saying is that rather than focusing on abortion we can focus on something else and a lot of these cases you know with young single moms or just single moms in general like the dad or the father the sperm donor just takes off right and it's i think single moms have one of the most difficult challenging um can be ultimately rewarding like i have jobs in the world right but i have the utmost respect for single moms who who do it who pull it off i think it's i think it's incredible it's it's amazing but here's an idea what if we were proactively trying to avoid abortions rather than reactively arguing about them like we see nowadays now i know this would no, oh, I, I was going to say, I know this would maybe have unintended consequences, but it'll definitely have unintended consequences. Everything does. But maybe, like, just maybe something along the lines of voluntary vas- vasectomies would have more benefit than damage. And again, I talked about this earlier. I chose to get a vasectomy. It has nothing to do with, well, no, it has everything to do with not wanting to have any more kids. I've had four of them. I'm good. But, Okay. I think it may have more benefit than it would do damage or have repercussions, right? So hear me out. So at let's say 15 or 16 years old, I don't know, I haven't thought that deeply into it, but boys are able to voluntarily get a vasectomy. Now, there obviously has to be an incentive involved in this because again, it's a voluntary action. I'm, I've gone through a vasectomy. I wouldn't just voluntarily go for it at 15 because, well, I just wouldn't. There's no way. But let's say, you know, they get at the moment of the procedure, 500 bucks or something like that. And then upon turning, I don't know, say 24, 25, you then are also given $5,000 in cash or in, you know, towards post-secondary education, something like that. But if your vasectomy is still intact, you, you still do it. And then you can obviously reverse it at that point. But it's just, it's like this buffer zone and it'll give you a reward for doing it. And now to any of you elitist losers out there saying, well, what's five grand going to do? 
Well, just so you know, I mean, I did my electrical training from year one to four. I mean, I'm sure that's gone up thanks to just inflation and prices going up across all the board. I'm not just blaming it on this this insane monetary policy recently, but I'm sure it has gone up. But five grand, it put me through electrical school, essentially. You know, maybe I had to throw an extra couple hundred bucks on top of that. I, I can't remember. But if you're scoffing at five grand, uh, you also have to, got to keep in mind that probably the people who are going to jump on this the fastest are the type of guys that you don't really want knocking somebody up at 15, 16, 18, 19, 20. Um, they're going to jump on it because it'll give them a bit of cash right then and there. And it realistically could go towards them doing something with their life. Like, again, post-secondary education, whether it's getting a technical degree or a, a trade certificate, whatever the case may be. Or, you know, I mean, to me, preferably it'd be five grand in cash. That's just me personally. But if you want to really target it at something, <sighs> target it at post-secondary schooling. And I know, again, one of the unintended consequences I could see right away is let's say you geared them all towards trade schooling. Well, trade schooling prices are going to go up. And although this will be a entirely different episode, but that's why post-secondary education has gone to the moon is mainly because of student loans. But again, different discussion when you have the government underwriting and handing out this money, guaranteeing it. What do you expect tuition prices to do? They're going to skyrocket, and that has absolutely happened. So anyway, I know that it'll it'll raise prices to these trade schools a little bit or to whatever if they have it specified, or if it's just wide open, it's going to raise all schooling costs again. But now you may be saying, well, 5500 bucks a kid, like that's, that's pretty expensive. And maybe it doesn't have to be that much. I don't know. These are just numbers I threw up off the top of my head. But I can guarantee you that that's going to be cheaper than, you know, the subsidized conditions that you have to have a lot of the time with low income single mother households um i can guarantee you on if you're just worried about the money basis this will be cheaper and so anyway that so this now this now would eliminate fatherless homes because again you don't have all these guys running around having babies and then running off okay so that'll eliminate that it'll also eliminate many abortions okay so you've got again it's killing two birds with one stone maybe it's not perfect again you guys can let me know i have a feeling that this episode more than a lot of them is going to get some uh a fair bit of feedback so let me know but to me that seems like a a decent place to start and at least it's something that's proactively looking at it rather than you know we'll just continue to have this argument this discussion this divide in society for the rest of our lives which is it's a pain in the ass, but um, and it's, so, it's so funny. So going on a little bit of a tangent again, it's ridiculous to me that people can't hold a belief unless it aligns with their political opinion at that given time. You know, maybe it's not your political opinion. Maybe it's a religious belief. And in which case, like, I, I understand that that's deep. I do get that. But <laughs> you can never use the law to shove your religion down somebody's throat ever if your basis for this is a religious aspect you are not going to be able to use the law to force people to believe what you believe and what you should never want to okay we have plenty of examples in history of this happening and the bloodbath that it causes okay so if you're really going to use law based in a religious belief 
to then force onto other people, that's that's horrible to me, right? Like you don't have to draw you don't have to draw any long conclusions to realize where this has already been used in the past, okay? So from that aspect, again, like, but I understand holding a deep personal belief. I get that. Again, it, it's hard for me to talk about uh, abortion because personally, I, I'm i not a fan, but it's not, I don't get to decide what somebody else does, right? So that's that's where the whole fundamental basis of this is. But again, going back to whether it's a religious belief, a political belief, whatever the case, whatever you want to call it, um, the fact that your basic belief on bodily autonomy can shift on political winds means you don't actually believe in it at all, right? And that's what's so frustrating about this. And what it's what I hope actually might bring around more of these uh, these insane people who were all fervently like wanting to go lockstep with big pharma and the government and ratting on their neighbors and throwing them in prison and having them ostracized from society. Maybe this discussion will wake some people up. Okay, because now all of a sudden they're realizing, oh, my body, my choice again. Like, oh, it's a buzzword. Great. Now think back for the last 18 months and think where else you could have applied this. Okay, but if anybody is now loudly and proudly pronouncing my body, my choice, but they were still willing to shove vaccine mandates down somebody's throats, you're you're the worst. You're just as bad as the people who were arguing for bodily autonomy, who are now saying that nobody should ever get an abortion. You guys are the exact same, okay? You don't actually hold any deep-rooted beliefs in this. You don't believe in bodily autonomy. You don't. You just believe in the political swing that it gives you. And if there's anything that, I don't know, sorry, I, I'm actually going to get pissed off at this. I came into this one pretty calm and and uh, and just not wanting, honestly, like kind of nervously tiptoeing into this. But if you will allow a, a fundamental belief, like, which ultimately comes down to property rights, right? This is what we're talking about, property rights. Your most sacred piece of property is your body. It's yourself. And if you don't actually believe in that, if you believe that the law can be written to to change that as long as it's with your own political leanings, I'm sorry, but fuck you. Like that's, that is infuriating to me. And it's what, again, it's why it's one of my favorite things to talk about is hypocrisy. Because when you can see it, like you just, I don't know, it roots out, it roots out actual belief systems. Like do, do people actually want this for everybody? Do you actually want somebody else to have the freedom to do with themselves what you would not do with yourself. And to me, like, you know, you either believe in that or you don't. And it means a lot of the time allowing somebody else to do something that you would never do with your own body, with yourself, with your own property, whatever you want to call it. That is the point of freedom. Okay, now obviously, you know, to, to live in a civilized society, uh, there are some constraints on that, not very many, I don't think, well, I don't think there should be, but anyway, um, that's where the hypocrisy of this drives me absolutely up the wall. So, let's see, have I got any more notes for this week? Uh, da, 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 da. Yeah, so the boys that you probably would imagine aren't grown up enough, aren't responsible enough, aren't mature enough, uh, they're going to jump on this opportunity to have 500 bucks right in their, way, or in their pocket right away. And, you know, again, you throw five grand cash at them if they make it to 24 without a kid, whatever the whatever the case may be, or sorry, with their vasectomy still intact. Like, keeping in mind that this is reversible, right? And so I'm talking mainly about, 
myself at that age, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, whatever, like, I would not wish a newborn child on on my kid version of myself ever. You know, I, I don't think that I would have, I just, I wasn't mature enough. And I don't know very many teenage guys who are. That's a huge responsibility and you have a lot of growing up to do. I mean, your brain hasn't even fully formed by then. And yeah, it's just, I don't know. So maybe, maybe the idea of, and again, keeping these vasectomies voluntary. I don't know how loudly I have to say that, but this is voluntary. And that is why there's an incentive to do it. You cannot force these kids to get a vasectomy if they don't want to. Even with it being reversible, you're not you're not put given a surgery to a teenage boy, um, you know, uh, forcing him to do it. No way. And again, sorry, jumping back one last second. Um, you know, if you don't believe in bodily autonomy, if one of these two ideas irks you, then just be honest about it. Just say, I don't believe in bodily autonomy, but I don't think that I should do this. You know, but don't don't try to champion the idea of bodily autonomy um, while while trying to shove one of these two opinions down somebody's throat. In my opinion, it just it, it destroys your case. It destroys the entire standing that you've built upon for the other one, right? Like there are there are other arguments you can make for either of them, but arguing the basic right of bodily autonomy, it, to me, it's it's blown out of the water at that point, right? So, all right, going back to here, uh, what other notes do I have? Again, so that would kill two birds with one stone, less need for abortion, probably significantly less, and less children being raised in fatherless homes. Again, that's that's what we're seeing a massive, massive issue with nowadays when it comes to these school shooters, to gang violence, to uh, well, gang numbers, but it's it's crazy. And so to me, I think that this would really would really help clean up both of those things. And again, we don't have to keep having this abortion discussion, hopefully, because it's exhausting, and it's just divisive. And there's a lot. Well, I don't want to say there's a lot more important things, because I think bodily autonomy is a fundamental right. But there are other things that, you know, should be demanding our attention, and we should just get over this, right? It's... (sighs) You're not uh, not everybody who's in the idea of of allowing people, allowing women to make that incredibly difficult choice. Like I've said before, is some pussy hat wearing moron. Like that's that's not who they are. Who use abortion as a contraceptive? It's it's not. Uh, so again, going back to the notes here. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> so it's funny because um, I kind of figured I've got. Uh, I know a few people on social media who um real hardcore third wave feminists, right? And uh, not that, you know, I think women should have every single right that, that a guy does, obviously. I don't think that's ever up for debate. But this, um, I just, I have a feeling that this is going to come up. So what about those of you who would jump down my throat saying, well, what about women? What do women get out of this deal? Um who is it who is saddled with, and I'm trying to, I'm not very good at uh, taking the edge off my words sometimes, but I don't mean this in a bad way. Like, obviously, I'm a father. I love my kids. They are a huge responsibility. They are a large weight, but it's a weight that I absolutely love carrying. I think it makes me a better person. It's it's like going to the gym, right? The more weight I can load on, the more that I can do it properly, the better the better conditioned I become, the better man I become by, you know, carrying this burden, in my opinion. 
but it is a responsibility. It is a burden. And who shoulders this responsibility, this burden nowadays? You know, it's single mothers. Like that's, you know, I even saw one post that was probably one of the dumbest posts I've seen in a while, but it was something along the lines of um, the average income needed to raise a child. It was something like, I don't know, $40,000 a year for a uh, to raise a child and you know a person and then it's like the average woman's income is something like thirty thousand dollars and it's like so it was like it, it, do you see the problem here and i mean the obvious problem it should slap you right in the face is that families weren't designed to just be one single mother taking care of them and raising a child like that it just seems mind-numbingly obvious to me but you know it articulates very poorly the problem, though, is that, you know, single mothers, as amazing as they are, like they're shouldering a massive burden by themselves. So what would women get out of the deal? They wouldn't be shouldering that burden anymore. And I think that that is massive. That's probably, that is way more money in your pocket, if you're thinking about it, than the the 5500 bucks potentially, that this, this guy could get by the time he's 24. Like, uh, to me, if you're if you're freed up essentially for 18 years or however many more years, like let's say you get pregnant at 16, you didn't want kids till you're 25, you know, that's nine years of, you know, exponentially more freedom, both financially, personally, whatever the case may be, like you can go do what you want more, right? Like that's the biggest complaint that I hear or see on social media is just, you know, having to shoulder this burden alone. And not that, again, not that kids are just merely a burden. They're incredible. It's a, I don't have to say this every time. I don't know why I feel like I have to qualify anytime I say that. Like, obviously, kids are a big responsibility, but it's a great responsibility. But again, there's still a responsibility, and I can't imagine doing it on my own. That's why I also have a lot of respect for single mothers, as I've said like six times in this episode. But um, but anyway, to me, to me, the, the actually the one who would be benefiting the most are women out of this deal, right? And so to me, I think that I think that I'm going to close this out, honestly, because I'm, let me see. Yeah, I'm essentially done with my notes. I think I've covered them all, even if I didn't speak them as well as I had written them down, but that's the way it always goes. So I don't know, guys, I, uh, this isn't, <laughs> I think you could tell by how many times I kind of spun around in circles on, on certain aspects of it, but it's not something that I'm very comfortable talking about. But my wife, who is just about the only person who, whose opinion I will really take to heart and that actually really matters to me. No offense, guys. But um, when she said that, you know, you spent a lot of time talking about bodily autonomy when it comes to vaccine mandates, you should probably talk about this on your podcast. And I took it to heart. It's, I don't know, again, like I, it's not something I'm comfortable talking about. It's not, but it's something that I think is important because, again, to me, they're, they're nearly identical. If you're using if you're using the right to bodily autonomy as the foundation of your argument, um, but yet you are now going against the idea of abortion simply being available to people. Again, I'm not saying not to use your sphere of influence to the people that you talk to and you know try to nurture and help and assist people through this or you know have discussions with them like again it's just it's making it a possibility or the idea of it being a possibility it's not saying that everybody has to have one 
uh, again, I, I don't know why I have to reiterate this, but people seem to think the way they, they talk about it that, oh, well, if you legalize abortion, that means every woman's going to have to have an abortion. No, 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 it's not. And again, you can have discussions, you can support people, you can help them, you can you can do whatever you can to kind of kind of talk to people and maybe change people's minds. But that difference between should or shouldn't and must and mustn't, <laughs> it's massive and it cannot be bridged. So um, that's where my line is. Again, it's focusing on the fact that if these are outlawed, you're going to be ruining a lot of true victims' lives in the process of it. Um, and legalizing it, yep, you're going to have some nut jobs who take advantage of it. Sorry, that's life, that's society, it's fucking wild out there. Oh, I can't wait to talk. Actually, yeah, I think I've, I already know. I might even record one after this again. I'm kind of fired up, but I I want to talk about more, more of what's going on in other areas of the world. And again, I'm, I've become kind of obsessed with economics. I'm in the middle of reading Thomas Sowell's Basic Economics, and it's it, it lays a lot of these discussion points out so basically, so fundamentally that it's like, yes, obviously it comes down to supply and demand scarcity of of resources like there's anyway but it i'm loving reading this stuff i'm i'm actually finding i'm pretty obsessed with economics right now and it's really cut into my podcast listening time which is unfortunate but um i'm trying to read and listen to audiobooks at the same time or not at the same time but while i'm working audiobooks while i'm off work reading and it's uh it's good though i'm trying to trying to you know, set my family up, get everything in order. I mean, I think we're going to be into a little bit of a roller coaster wild ride here for a while. So you got to you got to get your own house in order. You got to I mean, you got to look out for yourself. Uh nobody's going to come and save you. I've said that a million times and it's uh I think I think we're going to really see that here shortly and uh a lot of people's economic theories they're going to kind of get blown into uh, into oblivion. So anyway, I'm not going to get on that right now. That'll be another episode. But thanks for listening to this uh, incredibly uncomfortable well, solo dialogue by myself talking at my wall in this hotel while I'm in uh, Fox Creek, Alberta, working on uh, big oil here. So anyway, uh, have a great week and I'll talk to you all again soon. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I hope you found some value in this week's episode. If you did and are interested in more content like this, please rate, review, subscribe, and recommend the podcast to a friend. I really appreciate all the feedback you have given me to this point and look forward to hearing from you again. As always, the podcast page is The Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Facebook, at Jacket Plaid on Twitter, and at Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Instagram. That concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for the continued support, and especially to those of you who reach out weekly with comments on each episode. Have a great week and I'll talk to you all again soon.